Welcome to the BetUS College Football Show. This is, of course, the Tuesday, December 26th, the day after Christmas edition of the show. It is our bowl preview show, part number five. I am your host, Gary Seegers, and you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at GaryWCE, or I am on X at Winning Cures. We sincerely hope that everybody had a wonderful Christmas weekend. Uh, everybody got in some quality time with your loved ones and whatnot, but now, now we really hope that you're ready to get back into bowl season to find some winners uh, from this cavalcade of games that we've got this week. Uh, let's go on and bring in the experts here on the left side of the screen. Of course, he is the numerical guru, our stats guy, our analyst uh, at Stats of War on Twitter, Parker Fleming. Uh, Parker, tell us uh, what did Santa Claus bring you this year, buddy? Uh, you know, I know I'm getting old because I got socks and books, and uh, and that's just the way of the world this uh, this week. But I got to have some good time with friends, and as I've mentioned, we're down in sunny Arizona as opposed to the uh, redacted mountain location. So it's uh, it's much more sunny. It's a lot lot less snow, and and that in itself is a, is a present enough for me. I'm currently looking outside at the blue sky and the mountain. Uh, it's uh, it's wonderful. Not only keeps the heart warm, but also uh, the extremities as well. So that's always good. <laughs> uh, on the right side of the screen, of course, our award-winning professional handicapper, uh, the Totals King. He is at Kyle Hunter Picks on Twitter. Kyle Hunter, I hope Santa was good to you as well, sir. How are things? Good. Uh, a little crazy around here for sure. I'm hoping nobody like tries to bust it in the office door to to ask me to put together anything, but. Uh, <laughs> No, I, my biggest gift was a saxophone this year. So uh, my nice. wife wanted me to get back into playing what I played uh, in school. So that's gonna, I'm gonna have to brush up. It's gonna take a while. Oh, I can, uh, I could certainly get down with that. That's uh, Bill Clinton was well known for that, right? So it may be a little political future uh, for you, Mr. Collar. <laughs> All right, before we begin, let's go on and get the graphic on the screen. Let's talk about the truck. Uh, we are in the middle of, of course, the incredible 30th season celebration with BetUS. Uh, and we are talking about the chance to win just an incredible tough truck here. You can find all the details at betustv.com slash tough truck. Uh, but here, of course, on the College Football Show, we are adding to the excitement. We're going to offer you an entry to win this amazing truck. And we've got a lineup of other fantastic prizes, right? We, uh, we've got tailgating packages. Uh, we've got football game tickets, etc. Uh, the catch, of course, is you got to be with us live and you got to be in the chat and you have to be a member at BetUS. Uh, that is your golden ticket there, so don't miss out on it. Uh, be a part of the BetUS family today, of course, by signing up at BetUSTV.com slash join. Uh, Kyle, can you tell everybody what they need to do specifically to earn an entry today? Yeah, you got to be a member at BetUS, like you said. Then you got to get in the live chat over there. Um, that's who has the golden ticket. One of the three of us will be holding the golden ticket at the end of the show. Put your guess in, whether it will be Parker, Gary, or myself. All right. Uh, yes, most certainly put in uh, the guesses there, and they'll put them in the randomizer afterwards. You guys know this. I feel like the people that are watching today are the diehards. You guys you guys are our people, and we appreciate you. If you're new, of course, we appreciate you as well. Uh, Parker, can you let everybody know the easiest way to support the show and, and help us out here at 1 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday and Wednesday? Yeah, so best way, of course, is to be here to make sure you're subscribed. Um, toss those notifications on, too. That helps us with the algorithm. If you're in here, throw us a like on the video and uh, share the show. Still plenty of time this uh, this season to look at some bowls. We're going to get to the New Year's Six, uh, some of these playoff matchups, the next couple of shows as well. So share the show as well if you uh, if you like what we're putting out there. And uh, it, as, as Parker just said, the notification bell. 
It lets you know when we go live. That's the biggest thing, uh, along with the like button and all that kind of stuff that Parker just talked about. So uh, make sure and do the same thing for the Bet US NFL show. They're with you every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, uh, not long after our second show uh, every single week. All right, let's go on and recap our records thus far this season. Oh, yes, uh, I am sitting at 45, 49, and 4. I am 3, 3, and 1 on the bowl season. Just very irritating. <laughs> Kyle is 34, 40, and 2. Parker, 42, 41, and 3. We are now 121, 130, and 9 on the season. Uh, there is a chance that we could certainly get back above 500. But, man, it's getting down to the pickings now. So, <laughs> We'll see what happens uh, as we go ahead. We've got 13 more games between today and tomorrow. That is what it is. Uh, a quick reminder, you guys asked for it. We listened. We turned on the Superfans feature on the channel. If it's something you're interested in, it's there. Uh, if it's not, of course, you can use some emojis and, and all that kind of mess. Uh, you get your questions tossed to the top of the Q&A, etc. If it's not your thing, you don't have to worry about it. But it's there if you want it. All right, if you want to get in on the action, of course, visit BetUSTV.com slash join. And uh, to track the odds along with us while we're doing the show here, you can visit BetUSTV.com slash odds. Uh, for all of you watching live, we do a Q&A segment to close things out. So make sure and put your questions in the chat, and we will hit as many as possible at the end of the show. All right, fellas, uh, let's go ahead and uh, dive into the ball games here. Game number one, uh, because we got some deep dives we got to do today. We kick off early on Friday, December 29th in Jacksonville, Florida. This is the Gator Bowl, where the Clemson Tigers and the Kentucky Wildcats are going to play at 12 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Clemson currently a five-point favorite at BetUS, the total sitting at 46. Uh, Clemson, they got a few dudes in the portal uh, or sitting out here. Of course, wide receiver Bo Collins, uh, they got a starting safety out, uh, starting linebacker, starting defensive lineman. Two cornerbacks, an offensive lineman, maybe the defensive tackle, Tyler Davis. Uh, Kentucky, only one starter that won't be playing so far, and that's the the edge rusher, Keaton Wade. Clemson ended the year by winning and covering their last four games, uh, while Kentucky was 2-2 two and two straight up and against the spread in their last four. That sandwiched losses to uh, Alabama and South Carolina with wins at Louisville and Mississippi State. Clemson, bowl season not super kind to them recently. They're one and three straight up and against the spread in their last four bowl games. Kentucky is four and one straight up two two and one against the spread in their last five games. Uh, bowl game, excuse me, bowl games. Parker, let's start with you on this stats wise. Clemson's defense has looked <clears throat> fantastic, uh, especially at the end of the season. Uh, I've got them at number five in PPA allowed per drive and Cle Kentucky's offense has just been eh. I mean, and that might be the nice way of saying it, right? Number 88 PPA per drive for the Wildcats. But man, on the other side, Clemson's offense is still bad. Uh, I've got number 107 PPA per drive. Luckily, Kentucky only been number 76 PPA allowed per drive over the last six weeks. Is this just a case of who's got the better players? Uh, tell me tell me what you're looking for here. Yeah, opt-outs are going to matter um, a whole lot here, I think, especially Ray Davies, uh, uh, Davis, excuse me, on uh, Kentucky sideline there, 19th in EPA per rush. Clemson's defense, 38th in EPA per rush allowed. Uh, you know, so much of Kentucky's offense just relied on Davis getting those yards after contact. Gary, he had 6.43 yards after contact per attempt against Louisville, who is a very good defense. But his long rush was only 37, so it's not like he, you know, broke broke off a big rush and then uh, was able to. <clears throat> 
inflate that total. He was consistently getting yards after contact. I think that's going to be much harder against Clemson and without Davis for Kentucky. So really don't see a path for them to move the ball very, very well. On the other side of the ball, Kentucky's run defense has been good. 19th in EPA uh, per rush allowed. Clemson is 50th in EPA per rush. Clemson's going to have to rely on Klubnik to really attack this Kentucky de- defense and secondary, which hasn't been very good. I'm going to keep talking, even though I saw a flash. I don't know if we're having tech issues. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, no, I, I can hear you. Okay, uh, perfect. Before before I let you go a whole lot further, did something break about Davis not playing in the game? I thought Davis playing. was out. I, I so, assumed he was I, so going he to is, the draft. He has declared for the NFL draft. Uh, he opted out of the bowl game at the end of November Ooh. and then announced in early December that he is still going to play in the Gator Bowl. Like he has decided he's going to play. I'm assuming that's going to be on a pitch count. Probably. Um, Uh, You're probably right. That's something to watch. Um, But yes. Okay. So I I might have that off. He's not totally, uh, totally out there. So that's, that's something to watch to see if that's a, maybe that's a morale commitment more than it is an actual commitment there. Um, Especially running back, like such a high injury position. I'd be surprised if he carried a full load, but again, very, very good at yards after contact there and certainly dynamic for, for Kentucky's offense. Um, The, the problem with Clemson having to rely on, on Klubnik to, to really attack this Kentucky secondary is of course, Klubnik's just not very good. He only has a passing grade greater than 70 in two games. That's Charleston Southern and Georgia tech. He has 17 turnover worthy plays compared to only a, 11 big time throws and his average depth of target is only um, only 70 uh, or 7.0 of note as well. Clemson's wide receiver room. They've got a couple guys opting out there. They have dropped 26 passes. That's almost 10% of his passes as well. So getting no favors at all on these kind of intermediate throws that he's been making Clemson really, really struggling in the past game this year. So um, it certainly helps that Kentucky's not very good, but they're going to need a, a game from club Nick really to, uh, to kind of mitigate Kentucky's run defense here. I'd have a slight lean towards Clemson Davis being back, obviously being in, you know, how much of an impact he's going to make. I'm not a hundred percent sure there, but, but just on the, on the street numbers, I like the balance on Clemson's defense. Um, and, and I think that they should be able to rush enough, uh, to, to free up club Nick, maybe to give them a little breathing room in the passing game. Kyle, over to you. There was a lot of action on Kentucky in the middle of bowl season. And, and I get it right. Mark Stoops won four straight bowls before last season. Uh, but we have seen Kentucky against significantly more talented teams, and Clemson's talent is top ten in the country. Uh, Kentucky, when they go up against a team with you know significantly more talent, they almost always get beat by double digits. My number here over the last six weeks, uh, just stats wise, has Clemson by ten and a half. Kyle, I'm I'm curious about your handicap here. I know that the the guys are going to be, you know, it, it, it matters that there are guys opting out, right? But eh, how much? I'm curious your thoughts here. Um, you know, I think uh, Clemson's defense losing a lot of different guys certainly matters. The The question is, does Kentucky have the type of offense that can take advantage? Uh, I would assume that Davis wouldn't play too much in this game, kind of like, a, you know, Rasheen Ali had like nine carries in his game in the bowl game. Maybe he sees nine or ten carries in a game like this. Probably if there's Davis rushing props, that'd probably be a good under looking into this one, because if they go based on a season average, I would think it would be set too high. Trotter out, definitely a key for the Clemson defense. He's kind of their leader. And the secondary, several guys who are in the portal. Uh, The question is, does Kentucky have the offense through the passing game that can really take advantage? 
Leary was pretty disappointing this year. I thought he was one of the bigger disappointments. And, you know, Kentucky really relied on the explosiveness through the run game and Davis uh, breaking those big plays. I, I don't know. I mean, Kentucky's defense is not giving up explosives, but they're not the shutdown unit they've been in the past. This is a tough game for me, Gary. I'm going to let you bet this one, but I, I will say this. Clemson, no explosiveness on offense, terrible in the red zone. So that scares me. You know, that's a tough combination for sure. Having said that, a big talent advantage for Clemson. I agree with you on that, even with the guys who are playing significantly better. Um, I would lean the over if I had to bet this game, but I'm going to pass here. I am going to take Clemson. Uh, I have seen Kentucky against significantly more talented teams. Clemson appeared to, you know, somewhat get right over the end of the season. Uh, I think one of the things that Clemson does best, right, is they play all of their dudes. So even though you've got guys opting out, you still got a whole lot of guys with a ton of experience. Uh, I think Clemson wins the games by by double digits, so I will certainly lay the five here. Uh, go ahead and, and lock that one in for me. My pick on this one is Clemson minus the five. Uh, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, Dabo usually has his his guys up for games like this, uh, especially against SEC competition. I uh, I expect them to you know, show up and, and show out a little bit in this spot. All right, moving on, game number two. I got I to gotta keep the pace today. I don't want to <laughs> – we don't want to spend too long on Dabo, right? Uh, yes, one of the all-time classic bowl games and the only one that's on CBS. This one's the Sun Bowl, Friday, December 29th, the 2 p.m. Eastern time, and we'll get to see the Oregon State Beavers and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in this one. Notre Dame a six-and-a-half-point favorite – Total of 41 and a half over at BetUS. Both teams, a bunch of guys that are not going to be playing. Uh, Oregon State's top two quarterbacks are out, but they do have last year's starter, Ben Goldbranson, starting here. Uh, other guys that are out are a couple of tight ends. Uh, they got starters at safety and linebacker, uh, cornerback, wide receiver, right tackle, uh, the kicker, the left tackle, left guard. Uh, both were out with injuries in the last game of the season as well. The running back, Damian Martinez, is going to play despite being arrested in the offseason. Uh, for Notre Dame, moving over to their side, offensive coordinator uh, Jared Parker, he got the Troy head coaching job. The quarterback, Sam Hartman, he's out for draft prep. Uh, along with both of his tackles, the running back, Audrey Estime, they lost their right guard and their tight end to seasoning-ending uh, injuries in November. They got four wide receivers in the portal. They got their backup tight end. I mean, it's just it's a, it's a disaster for both of these teams. Uh, but we're also going to get to see the future. We'll get to see some of the guys that are going to be playing next year. So that does make it at least somewhat enticing to be able to watch the game. Notre Dame went four and one straight up and against the spread down the stretch. Oregon state went two and three straight up and one and four against the spread in their last five games. Uh, Notre Dame one and one straight up and against the spread in their last two bowl games under, uh, under Marcus Freeman. And, uh, yeah, Oregon State, I mean, they're going to have an interim coach here, uh, but they're also one and one straight up and against the spread in their last two bowl games. So, Kyle, let's start with you here. I feel like this is the true definition of an, like an exhibition, right? Notre Dame is down, what, eight offensive starters. Oregon State, kind of the same thing after their coach left. At least Oregon State's quarterback has started games, I guess. Uh, tell me what you're looking for in this matchup. I think the really good opportunity in this game was probably betting the under early on. And now that the line has come down a lot, it's it's kind of tricky to take it. I do think both teams will run the football a lot in this game. It'd be surprising if they air it out a lot. I've always kind of liked the Sun Bowl. Like you said, it's a it's a good game. I uh, wish 
this was a little better as far as more starters playing, but you know, understandable based on the the situations. I think Golbrinson is kind of, uh, you know, he's a game manager. He's not a bad quarterback, not a really good quarterback. Certainly a step down from uh, DJU and Childs, in my opinion. But Notre Dame, most of the team in the portal are opting out. I mean, just massive losses for Notre Dame. On the one side, you say, like, how can Notre Dame be laying this many points uh, with the type of skeleton crew that they'll have in this one? But, you know, I don't know that Oregon State will score too many points here either. Notre Dame is deep on defense. I think their defensive line is one of the few defensive lines that can kind of match up with the Oregon State offensive line that's very good. Um, you know, I don't know what to expect from the Notre Dame offense, though. Um, I believe Angeli will start there at quarterback. And I just think heavy run game is the most likely in this one. What, what do we have, 41 and a half, I think the total was here. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, gosh, that's that's a low number. I still lean the under, guys. I don't know what to bet on the side. I think this is a really, really tricky game. That's, all these guys that are opting out are missing a real good time in El Paso. I'll tell you that. They are <laughs> The Twin Peaks restaurant in El Paso is top-notch. Top-notch. But uh, along with that, I mean, just everything about that place. I like El Paso. I, I like the Sun Bowl. I like the the views from that stadium. Like that's a fantastic place in a good bowl spot. Uh, but as it sits with all these guys opting out, Parker, I wouldn't bet this game with money I stole, brother. Like I, I guess we can expect Notre Dame's defense to show up, maybe, and and maybe Oregon State's defense because they hired the DC Bray, uh, but he's not coaching in the game. I, do any of the numbers matter here at all, or is this all vibes? What what have you got on this? I mean, I definitely wanted to take an under like two weeks ago. And so I think that one of this little spot where it's just hard, it's moved so much here with all this change. Um, this is one that really does make me kind of lament our current postseason structure and the incentives that have been created by the TV and the playoff and all that nonsense, because full strength, this would be a great game. And I think this would be really fun. But obviously, there's clear incentives for, you know, some of the best players not to not to play. I still think that, um, you know, it, the difference in the trenches between Oregon State and Notre Dame is not as big as I think the name brands would have you uh, believe. Oregon State certainly has some good some good linemen top to bottom on both sides of the ball. Um, the run game is one I think that we would have seen, regardless of the opt-outs, is one that we would have seen um, – pretty substantially be featured here. Oregon State, 82nd and rush rate over expected. Notre Dame, 57th. What's interesting, though, is that teams have been passing against Oregon State all year. Um, five, fifth and rush rate uh, over expected against. So uh, even though teams have been passing against them, they've been pretty good in pass defense, 22nd in EPA per pass allowed, but they're 37th in EPA per rush. So that's kind of weird to see high volume passing against, but really good EPA per pass allowed. Uh, and then the rush rate be a little bit worse. Um, I think this is going to come down to just run game and finishing drives. Oregon State's actually been pretty poor at, uh, at allowing finishing drives. They're 78th in the nation. So, you know, if I had to lean on anything, uh, I, I think I would lean on Notre Dame and kind of them being able to replicate their um finishing drives ability here, but on the, on the whole, yeah, like you said, Gary, I'm just not super excited about this one. The really only angle I had was that I think an under would have been prudent uh, a little bit earlier here. Also, you could, you know, watch the first game, watch the first drive of this and just see, you know, who's hung over, who showed up and, and get some live action on a total, I think pretty, pretty easily in this one as well. If, uh, if any of those coaches that come out looking like Lane Kiffin did that year when he was at USC, uh, <laughs> immediately, immediately live, but the other direction, as it sits, none of us 
really wants to bet this game, and I don't know why you would. That sigh that Parker had there in the middle where he's just, I don't even know what to say about this. I totally get it. And so we've got no official play on this game. Why would we even risk it? Uh, but y- you can tell with live betting early, like who who wants to be there, who doesn't, et cetera. It, it should be should be interesting, at least from a maybe from a non-gambling side, uh, just to see who shows up. That's that's what I'm curious about. All right, so no play there. Let's move on. Game number three on the board today. And, uh, oh, yes, we're going to stay on Friday. And let's head to my hometown. That's right, the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Tennessee, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN, where the home team Memphis Tigers are going to play the Iowa State Cyclones in a rematch of the 2017 Liberty Bowl, which Iowa State won 21-20. to Iowa State currently at BetUS, a 9.5-point favorite. The total sitting at 57 and a half. Uh, as far as transfers and opt-outs and blah, 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 Memphis uh, lost two starting offensive linemen in the portal along with the backup quarterback. Uh, Iowa State does have several backups in the portal, including uh, multiple running backs, et cetera. There's a chance. Uh, I haven't seen anything new about this, but there's a chance that the cornerback, TJ Tampa, is going to sit out to prep for the NFL draft. But I haven't seen any news on that uh, thus far. So, um, so. Memphis finished the season four and one straight up, two and three against the spread in their last five. Iowa State was three and two straight up and against the spread. Memphis, they have won and covered their last two bowl games under Ryan Silverfield. Iowa State is one and three straight up and against the spread in their last four bowl appearances. Uh, not the best role for uh, Mr. Campbell and Bunch. Uh, Parker, let's start with you here. Iowa State, just looking at numbers, way more consistent throwing the football. They're number 20 in passing success over the last six weeks. They're number eight in PPA per pass. But when they try to run the ball, they're number 127 in rushing success rate and yet number one in rushing explosiveness. And I, I think a lot of that may have come from that that snow game uh, in Farmageddon, right? Memphis's defense just sucks against everything. Uh, but over on the other side, the Memphis offense, number 17 in PPA per pass. Iowa State's weakness on defense is in the secondary. They're number 85 PPA allowed per pass. Uh, it feels like this thing could get pointy. What what stats are you paying attention to here? Yeah, so one, Gary, I'm offended. It's not your hometown. It's our hometown. I'm from Memphis as well. Thank you. Shout out to the, what was that, like, <laughs> the random one that sports bar? lives here, right? <laughs> the first time, Gary, that we met was this random sports bar in Collierville because I drove out, like, halfway to meet you, too. I remember that. That was so fun. Um, my, my fun story here is that Gary brought his own koozie to the bar, and I immediately respected him for it. So, uh, but looking at this game, looking at the Liberty Bowl, um, I, yeah, this is not the Iowa State team of the past. Like, these dudes are slinging it, and they can score score pretty pretty well they're 31st in epa per pass and one thing that i I really like that they've unlocked is uh so one last year they had a lot of trouble with the um offensive line health and that really kind of hurt their run game and they really didn't have any balance to kind of build off on they've been a little bit healthier this year also a guy like jalen noel who's been really involved last year they just asked him to step up and didn't have a good idea of what they wanted him to do made some offensive uh coordinator changes that i that i really like and and uh hit the ground running even with all that 
nonsense about the gambling and losing their starting quarterback and everything. Rocco Becht has been great in relief um, for, for them. 74 uh, pass grade, 8.1 yards per attempt, um, you know, 72.4% adjusted completion. Very, very good. And Jalen Noel has been very, very good in kind of both rushing and receiving as they make him a, gab- a gadget p- player. He's uh, first in, in targets. He has six touchdowns. Um, his yards per route run is 2.59. So they've been really, really good kind of getting him involved. And then Jaden Higgins as a long threat is, has been great as well. So just want to take that opportunity to say props to Iowa state for rebounding from a pretty bad situation and putting together a very competent offense. Uh, that, the, they gotta be looking their chops, looking at Memphis. Memphis is a hundredth in EPA per pass allowed this season, 120th in EPA per rush, 111th in points per echo. And one area where Iowa state's offense really struggles early downs, Iowa state's 82nd Memphis is 129th on early downs EPA on, um, uh, on the season. So I think Iowa State is going to be able to move the ball a whole lot. That being said, Memphis has passed the ball very, very well. Even though the run defense has been bad, they've gotten good field position, they've gotten quality possessions, and they finished them well. Sixth in points per echo. They're balanced on early and late down. Seventh in, in early down ZPA. 22nd and third and fourth down success. So I, I do favor the Tigers. That number's a little big, and and I do think that Iowa State has the ability to, to kind of pull away here. But Gary, you said pointsy, and that's the word I'm focusing on. I think both of these teams... Um, will get multiple opportunities to score. They finish them well. Memphis's defense does not defend those scoring drives well. I think we're going to go over here for me. I I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree. Kyle, over to you. Uh, it, like Parker was just talking about, like both teams I think are going to show up. Both appear to be pretty motivated here. Uh, I think maybe pace is the thing to watch uh, when it comes to that over, right? Iowa State is number 131 in offensive plays per game. But Memphis is number 33. Like it, the question is going to be how fast is this thing played? Uh, Kyle, give me give me your breakdown here with the Tigers and the Cyclones. Yeah, I, I like the over as well. I, I mean, this is a spot where Memphis has made every game really pointsy. I mean, they've been able to do it against everybody. So can they do it against Iowa State? And my guess is yes. And Iowa State's defense, while it's good, is not like some dominant unit that shuts down everything. And, you know, Memphis, their defense has been so bad. I like how Gary just said Memphis sucks against everything. <laughs> like he didn't want to, that's the breakdown <laughs> here. Memphis just sucks against everything. Um, Memphis 109th in uh, strength of schedule, Sagarin. Iowa State 16th. So even with that huge difference, I think it's kind of interesting that Iowa State is 30th in yards per play margin. Memphis is 63rd. If you just look at the numbers, you think Iowa State wins this one pretty handily. But like Gary said, Campbell's team's not been great in this role. I think Memphis can, even if they get behind, they can probably score in the comeback role. This could be one of those backdoor cover games. Um, you know, I think Matt Campbell did a great job with his Iowa State team. And at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know that this is even that controversial at this point, but I think Becht is better than, than Deckers was. So, you know, it may be kind of backed into a good situation there. Uh, I know a commenter in one of our previous videos said that Kansas State had the wrong cleats for the Farmageddon game. It wouldn't surprise me if that was true. I mean, I believe it based on how that game went. It was 13.9 yards per play for Iowa State just makes absolutely no sense. It's, they game scored 42 through. points, and, and I don't believe they ran a play in the red zone. It's like insane. <laughs> like, how do you do that? I mean, I, I don't think we'll see that again. Uh, but, you know, you could say that that kind of skews their stats a bit, and I think it does. But Memphis defense has been so bad against everything. I really think Iowa State will bust some big plays. So even if they don't play that fast, I expect Iowa State to score quite a few points. On the other side, 
Uh, is a good quarterback, uh, and it, Memphis does have some speed uh, at the skill positions. Uh, 21st in success rate on offense. Malik Verdon's been hurt, safety for Iowa State. TJ Tampa may or may not miss this game. I have to bet the over here, so I'll take over 57 and a half. I like the direction both of you guys are going, and I'm going to agree but go with a different bet on it. Uh, I think Memphis is going to score on this Iowa State defense, and with this being the last game inside the Liberty Bowl as it is currently constructed, I think the Tigers are certainly going to show up. It, there's a lot of hometown fans that are going to go out to this game. From what I understand, uh, this Memphis crowd should be very, very pro-Memphis. I know Iowa State travels, uh, but it's it's going to get loud in there. I expect this to be a, a just a nice, fun atmosphere. Both teams are going to be fired up for it. I'm going to take Memphis plus the 9.5. Now, transparency, I bet it at 10, but I also bet it at like 8 earlier thinking that it was going to move the opposite direction. So I've got a bet on Memphis at plus eight. I've got a bet on Memphis at plus nine. I'll still take it at plus nine and a half. Uh, I, I feel good about it. And then we're going to lock in, of course, Parker and Kyle, both taking the over 57 and a half. I think this thing is going to get pointsy. Uh, I expect a nice three, and zero oh, from, uh, from us three on this one for sure. All right. Quick reminder. Let's, uh, let's hit that like button for us. Of course, make sure that you are subscribed to the channel and leave a comment. We want to know your picks on these games. For you guys watching live, of course, you see that beautiful truck on your screen there. Uh, toss in your guess for who's got the golden ticket. That way you can be entered in to win the tough truck. And, of course, don't forget about the podcast. Search for the BetUS Football Show in your favorite <laughs> podcast app. Uh, that is the NFL Show and the College Football Show. Put together in one nice little package there. So uh, make sure you are subscribed over there. Uh, if you've got any questions for a Q&A, I did see... Uh, let's see. Crow Jr. Harrelson jumped in with a Q&A. Any questions you want to ask about, toss it in there. We'll try and do that at the end of the show. Uh, moving on, game number four, and this one's going to be a fun one. Oh, yes. Friday night, December 29th, we get our first so-called New Year's Six Bowl of the season. And this is the Cotton Bowl. It's uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN between the Missouri Tigers and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State... A one-point favorite at BetUS. The total currently 49.5. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz expects everyone to be able to play for Missouri, except for, uh, I believe, the starting cornerback, uh, Ennis Rakestraw. Um, and I believe there's a linebacker that's out as well, and I did not put it in my notes. I just saw it before we before we went on. Uh, Ohio State, bunch of backups in the portal. The starting quarterback, Kyle McCord, uh, has transferred to Syracuse. Uh, the wide receiver, Julian Fleming, is in the portal as well. Just... There's a ton of potential opt-outs, right? You've got the wide receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr., the tight end, uh, Stover, the safety proctor, the defensive end, JTT. You got Hall. You got Eichenberg. It's a, there's a lot that started uh, that stated that they are going to play in the bowl game, right? You've got the wide receiver, uh, Egbuka. You've got the defensive end, Sawyer, Williams, the defensive tackle, the cornerback, Burke. And Travion Henderson, the running back, is expected to be back for another year, so we would expect him to play as well. It, this is another one where just the list is mayhem, right? Both teams finished the season by winning four of their last five. Uh, Missouri went four and one against the spread. Ohio State went three and two. Missouri, 0 and four straight up, one and three against the spread in their last four bowl games. And Ohio State is four and zero straight up in their last four non-playoff bowls. Something to pay attention to there. Kyle, let's start with you here. Like I said, Ohio State always ends up winning these non-CFP games. 
Like my my full season stats would have Ohio State favored by 17 points here, and my last six week stats would have them by 19. Now, there's a lot of dudes out, and there's a bunch of potential dudes out, but I think the depth for Ohio State is way better than Missouri. Uh, tell me which direction you see this thing going, and and was the line movement uh, warranted here? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a interesting game where the this is a motivation question mark because Missouri wants to win this game. I think Missouri should be pretty amped up for this game. The question is Ohio state amped up for this game. Uh, you know, as a Buckeyes fan, I'm not totally jacked for this game or anything. You know, this is not one where I'm going to be super hyped up for, obviously I hope they win, but you know, this is not exactly where they wanted to be. Ohio state, even shorthanded has a lot of talent. So, you know, we talked about this before when we did the early preview of like, there's some point where, you know, Missouri money just keeps coming in and you say, okay, Ohio State's backups are pretty good too. You know, like this, yes. you know, as long as they actually care, these guys are pretty good as well. Day is two and three against spread and bowl games. Drinkwitz is two and oh against the spread. Um, Travion Henderson means a lot to this team. I think I've probably said this too much. And if you guys are tired of hearing it, then I'm sorry, but we'll do it one more time. Henderson is way better than every other Ohio State running back. Like a lot of the other positions are close. But Henderson is a game changer for Ohio State. So if he plays in this one, and I think there's still at least some question mark on whether he plays, that really helps them a lot. So you want to know whether Henderson's going to play in this one. Um, it seems most will play. You know, Ryan Day has kind of said in the press conference, if you read uh, his press conference notes, it's pretty interesting. He says, well, most of the guys are going to play. We are going to meet later today. So if something changes, I'll let you know. You know, this is one where I wouldn't want to, you know, bet heavily on this game without knowing some more. But here we are, you know, uh, the 26th, and this game's a few days away. We don't know exactly who's going to play in this game, but a decent amount of Ohio State players that some people thought were going to be out appear to be playing in this game. Um, Levin Brown gets a chance here at quarterback for Ohio State. Really big audition for him. Really big. Because Aaron Oland will come in for Ohio State uh, next year, and very highly touted guy. Brown needs to be good here or else he's going to take a backseat to somebody else. Um, so I would expect a run-heavy Ohio State in this game, especially if Henderson's there. Really tough game for me to bet. I'm going to lean to the under here, thinking Ohio State's defense can still slow down Missouri, and uh, the Ohio State offense will play relatively slowly and run the ball quite a bit. And that's I kind of expect it to go that direction. Parker, let's move over to you. Over the last six weeks, Ohio State number five in PPA margin. Missouri is number 39. Now, I know uh, Missouri is technically a top 10 team, and I understand people talking about motivation being on the Missouri side and whatnot, but, you know, as Kyle and I were just talking about, there's a lot of dudes that are going to suit up for Ohio State that we might not have expected. Uh, and as far as the quarterback is concerned, I don't know that it's really that big of a drop-off to Devin Brown, right? I, we'll see. Uh, but tell me tell me what you think about this one. I'm I'm very curious uh, if, if motivation should have had Missouri favored at any point in the spot. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, earlier, what, this was like a touchdown, and it's moved a bunch. And uh, I, I, I hate to be this guy. I'm going to say a bunch of positive things about Missouri after this, so just swallow this pill for a second. But... <laughs> Is Missouri's best game losing to Georgia by nine? 
I mean, they beat Tennessee pretty yeah. soundly, but that was in that was at home. And then you start to look at the rest of these, and you think like, who, buddy? The shine on that Kentucky win, on that Kansas State win, both of those don't look anywhere near as good as 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 what you think. And especially on the defensive side of the ball, uh, I have them as forty eight in EPA per play. So at full strength, I have this as Ohio State by seven. Now, Gary. Ohio State is third in team talent composite, 974 total recruiting points. Missouri is 25th, 751. You do a little math, that's an average of 2.6 points per player down the entire roster of talent advantage for Ohio State. That's absolutely insane. That's the difference between, you know, 0.83 and 0.85 uh, across uh, every player. Like, that's a, that's a huge difference. I, I don't know if I can bring that home enough. So what Missouri is going to have to rely on is that Ohio State has a little dysfunction. Missouri's run defense has been a little bit better than their passing defense. They're 27th in EPA per rush compared to 48th in EPA per pass. But if Brown can just get the ball in the area code of these talented receivers, I mean, that's a lot of dudes on the Ohio State side there. Now, some nice things about Missouri. The offense, absolutely great. One of the best transfer portal additions of the season, Theo Weiss, came in uh, and just absolutely changed the gravity of this offense, gave Brady Cook a second option there. He and Luther Burden have combined for 55.7% of Missouri's targets, 63.6% of their touchdowns. Luther Burden has an absurd 3.50 yards per route run. Just an absolutely great wide receiver there and, and really good job by Drink getting uh, Weiss in and kind of helping the offense round into form. A very similar move to Florida State bringing in Keon Coleman, except for Florida State, Coleman took over as number one, and Johnny Wilson was able to play that supporting role here, vice versa. They brought in the guy to be the supporting role and uh, and, and elevate Burden. So great, great job there. Um, and I do believe both of those guys are coming back. And so I think you should get uh, some really good Missouri offense next year. Schrader at the running back position, you know, just absolutely excellent. 3.18 yards after contact, 36 runs of 10 plus, 88.3 grade. So very, very good. I think they'll be able to move the ball against Ohio State. I think they'll be able to score. Ohio State did have one of the lowest per game variances in defense uh, this season, meaning like they were high quality and it wasn't, you know, back and forth all day. They, they were there very consistent week over week. So uh, I'm not sure I can, you know, I want to root for Missouri. I like the underdog here. I'm not sure I can trust this offense against a team that's vastly more talented. And, and in reality, the defense is going to be much more coherent. Jim, Jim Knowles with you know a month to prepare for you I'm, I'm a little bit worried about that for missouri that's yes 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 to me i've seen ohio state play in these non-cfb games before several times we saw alabama do it last year right didn't make the it finished number five didn't make the college football playoff uh lost to two rivals on the road you know etc ohio state does the same thing they they win these games they act like they don't care. Everybody questions the motivation. A bunch of money comes in on the opponent. And then you get into the game, and the Ohio State players suddenly realize that, oh, actually, we do care. We don't like to lose. This is not something that we like to do. Ohio State was not vintage Ohio State this year. They were still top five quality. So I fully expect them to win here. I'm going to take Ohio State minus the one because this number is absurd. Uh, I think Ohio State is certainly going to win the game, and and all I got to do is win by one for me to be able to cover this thing. I feel good about that. So give me Ohio State, lock it in. Uh, I, I'm shocked that Kyle didn't want to didn't want to take this one with me. I'm just shocked. <laughs> for you. There you go. You'll be pulling for me. I like that. All right, uh, we got a few more games we're going to hit here. Let's move into game number five, and we finished uh, 
Friday with a New Year's Six game, it would make sense that we would start Saturday, December 30th with one, right? Uh, the Penn State Nittany Lions, they take on the Ole Miss Rebels in the Peach Bowl down in Atlanta at 12 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. So an early game here. Penn State, a four-point favorite with a total of 48.5 at BetUS. Penn State opt-outs include the defensive end, Chop Robinson, and the tight end, Theo Johnson. We might see uh, Fashanu, the offensive tackle, and the cornerback, King, sit out, maybe. Uh, for Ole Miss, they've got a few backups in the portal. The only guy that they're really, really missing is the right tackle, uh, Micah Pettis. Uh, he is out injured. He got injured in the uh, Georgia game, if I'm not mistaken. Penn State went 4-1 and one straight up and against the spread in their last five. Ole Miss went 4-1 and one straight up, but only won 2-2. Two and two against the spread uh, in their last five. As far as bowl games are concerned, Penn State 2-2 two and two straight up and against the spread in their last four, and Ole Miss also 2-2 two and two straight up and against the spread as well, um, although Ole Miss has lost their last two bowl games. So, Kyle, uh, we'll start with you here. This looks like it's going to be a fun matchup. Two coaches that uh, the coach in Carousel always thinks are a possibility to move, and neither one has yet. Uh, motivation does not really look to be a huge issue here. But, you know, on the Penn State side, you got a few key guys that, you know, that are out or could be out that could give Ole Miss a little bit of an advantage. Uh, over the last six weeks, there's a big disparity in net explosiveness. Penn State is number 124, uh, Ole Miss number 30. Penn State's not been explosive all year. Uh, but tell me, Kyle, what are, what are you looking at in this one? I mean, there are some key guys out here, and it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, us being several days away from this game, that there'd be some more opt out here before this game. So I know Chop Robinson out for Penn State is a pretty big loss. Cedric Johnson out for Ole Miss. Uh, but like I said, I would I would not be surprised if some somebody comes back in the comments later and says, we well, didn't mention that this guy was out. There's probably going to be some more. Uh, so I'll just say that as a, as a statement that will hold true for several of these games going forward. Penn State, First in the nation with plus 18 turnover margin. They're first in the nation in sack margin too, plus 33. That's excellent. Um, they they won 10 games. They played a pretty easy schedule because if you look at who they beat, who did they beat that was actually good? I mean, they lost to the two good teams on their schedule is what I would argue at least. And Penn State 130th in explosiveness on offense. They just consistently uh, struggled offensively. I was surprised that Penn State couldn't run the football better than they did. Their offensive line should have been better than they were. They have good running backs. They leaned on the defense to dominate games. You know, Diaz gone. Uh, I still think this defense will be good. Their defense first and success rate allowed. Ole Miss, the running game there was disappointing to me too, uh, with Judkins and an offensive line that was 95th in offensive line yards. Dart had a really good season. I thought they'd run the ball better than they did. And I think the biggest key to this game is how does the Ole Miss offensive line hold up against the Penn State pass rush? Because Penn State is definitely very good, uh, front seven. It will be a big test. And, and on the other side, I think Ole Miss's defense made some pretty big improvements under Golding this year. Because we remember in past years, Ole Miss would look good against the really weak teams, and then the defense would be like fake good. They're actually yeah. at least a decent amount improved this year. I wouldn't say they're really good, but they're not bad. And Penn State's offense is not really trustworthy. Do I really trust Penn State to win by margin in a game like this? I think this would be a tight game. If I was betting this one, I would definitely bet Ole Miss plus the boys. You brought up Diaz. Well, first you asked, if had, have they beat anybody good? Uh, do we consider Iowa good? Is Iowa good? Are we Harry, not? I'd, like okay. to, I'd like to speak for everyone here. No, we do not consider Iowa good. 
<laughs> and they scored 31 points on Iowa, but it was like Iowa fell down and handed them the ball their own two yard line like right. four times. Like it was, yeah, I did. I, no, that's not a quality win. Just absurd, absurd. The so uh, I did not bring up at the beginning. I brought up all these players that might be opting out and blah 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 blah. Didn't even talk about the fact that you know, and Kyle just talked about it. Manny Diaz is uh, gone to take the Duke head coaching job, and Mike Yersich, the offensive coordinator for Penn State, got fired. So. Uh, they are bringing in uh, the Kansas offense coordinator. He's not fully entrenched yet. I think he's been doing some bowl practices and whatnot, from what I understand, from the little bit that I've read. But it, you're going you're going into a bowl game without both of your coordinators. Parker, uh, for Penn State, I mean, their best chance at victory may be as simple as just the old adage of like three yards in a cloud of dust, right? Uh, the last six weeks, they were number 20 in rushing success rate to Ole Miss's defense, number 95. Uh, they're number 19 in stuff rate allowed. Ole Miss's defense is number 114 over the past six weeks. Uh, as far as, you know, when Ole Miss has the ball, uh, the Penn State defense is good. But again, just like Kyle talked about, have they played anything close to what Ole Miss is going to do on offense? Uh, give me give me a breakdown for the Peach Bowl here. What you got? Yeah, so I, I think there's a couple things here that that even at full strength would make me lean towards towards Ole Miss being uh, the the right pick here. One with the pass blocking, I'm actually much more concerned about Ole Miss's interior offensive line. Their their center and guards are are, are their lowest graded um, offensive linemen, and so when it comes to a team like Penn State that has elite edges, uh, and it actually kind of mitigates it, especially if Chop Robinson's out, then you think, okay, that's that's less pressure on stunts to get to the middle. That's a little bit more flexibility offensive line, a little bit more breathing room for Dart. Um, I actually want to see. Ole Miss in this game use uh, avoid kind of the haymaker back and forth um, run game uh, and, and use uh, Quishon Judkins a little bit more selectively. You can kind of see, you know, in, in some games when they had to rely on him, like the, the Mississippi State game, for instance, he had 28 attempts, only 4.3 yards per attempts. Um, but then on the flip side, you can look at a game like Auburn where he, or excuse me, like Vanderbilt, they only used him 17 times. He was super efficient. Obviously, the quality of opponent there matters. But when Ole Miss's offense gets humming, they're able to kind of like selectively deploy Judkins. They're able to put the defense in conflict enough that he's able to take those quality runs instead of having to do that. Hey, let's get some breathing room. Let's just pound the rock. So if Ole Miss can, can, can dial up some explosives there, uh, I certainly like their ability to be annoying to this Penn State defense that is very, very, very good this season. Um, one thing to watch, third and fourth down success. We know Ole Miss likes to go for it a lot. They're only 81st in the nation on third and fourth down success. Penn State's defense is 14th in third and fourth down success rate allowed there. So um, obviously the opt-outs are going to matter there, but we're going to see Ole Miss go for it on late downs. If they can connect some of those and extend these drives, I think that they should be able to score here. I'm actually going to ride with the good vibes with Lane Kiffin right now. I think their team is, is mostly intact and is playing. I think Penn State, a little bit of malaise here, turning over both coordinators, uh, the last two seasons kind of being the same in that they just really can't beat the teams on their schedule that matter. Um, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ole Miss keeps this close or even, you know, if, you, if you're if you so ambitious, I'm going to take Ole Miss in the points. If you're so ambitious, I think it's worth a little bit of sprinkling on the money line too. Let's go on and lock this one in. I, uh, I am staying away from this one. I am. <laughs> I don't know what to buy into on this. I know that Ole Miss is gearing up for next season uh, with all these guys. They're getting out of the portal. I, I saw that they got uh, Walter Nolan over the weekend, uh, the number one transfer kid from Texas A&M. Uh, but let's lock this one in for Parker. Uh, I'll be pulling for him. Ole Miss plus four. I think this one's going to be a lot of fun to watch on uh, on Saturday. Uh, but yes, plus four with Ole Miss for Parker on that. All right. Uh, we got two more games left for today. Uh, go ahead and give me that truck graphic one more time. 
If you want a shot at winning the tough truck, go on and put your guesses in the chat for which one of us has that golden ticket today. Make sure and like the video, of course. Uh, subscribe to the channel, etc. And drop your questions for Q&A in the chat. Uh, if you're not watching live, you can toss them into the comments. You guys know we will respond to as many as humanly possible, uh, especially now that Christmas is over. That certainly helps things out. <laughs> All right, game number six on the board. We're going to stay on Saturday, December 30th, and we're going to move it over to Nashville. This is the Music City Bowl, 2 p.m. Eastern time on ABC. The Auburn Tigers are going to take on the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, Auburn currently a seven-point favorite at BetUS, total of 46-and-a-half, and that has come down quite a bit. Uh, it was 50-and-a-half just a few days ago. Uh, but, of course, uh, maybe maybe Talia Tangavaloa is worth four points or or more. We'll see. Maryland, multiple starters out. Uh, the tight end, Dykus, the linebacker, Borum, uh, along with the backup tight end, backup linebacker, three cornerbacks. You got the NFL draft opt-outs. Uh, you know, you've got the cornerback still. You get the wide receiver, Tyrese Chambers. And, of course, the reason why the line is where it is is Talia Tangavaloa is not going to play, even though just a week, uh, was it about a week ago, where Mike Loxley came out and said, yeah, like he's going to play. He's playing with this team. Uh, I don't know why coaches ever say that before the bowl game. Auburn has three wide receivers in the portal, and they've got their backup quarterback, Robbie Ashford. Uh, and they've got two starters in the secondary that are going to opt out for the draft here. So, just, again, it's a mess. Um, Auburn lost their last two games to close out the regular season, but they won the three games prior. Uh, so they finished 4-1 and one against the spread in their last five games. Maryland somehow covered the last three games of the year, uh, but they only went 2-3 and three straight up to close things out. Uh, as far as bowls go, Auburn lost their uh, last three bowls and five of their last six. They are 1-5 and five against the spread in those. Maryland, they have won... The last two straight, they covered both of them. They have tended to show up when Loxley is the coach in bowl games. Parker, you know that I love looking at the five factors plus talent thing. Auburn is number 28 over the past six weeks. Maryland is number 68 in that metric. Uh, points per game margin favors Auburn in a big way as well. Uh, over the past six weeks, they're number 24. Uh, Maryland is number 110. The most damning stat, I think, for Maryland is the fact they're number 87 in rushing success allowed and number 84 in offensive line yards allowed, while Auburn is number 52 and number 45. Hugh Freeze against this defense should be able to dial up just about anything. Uh, what, what are your numbers showing here? Yeah, even with Talia playing, I think that we have a really great example of Hugh Freeze's ability to just, just get after you. One, they very clearly tanked the New Mexico State game uh, to a shot at Alabama, and it almost paid off. Um, but also, I, I think back to 2020. Remember, Coastal Carolina was just an absolute wagon. They had a bunch of 5'10", red-ass linemen that nobody knew what to do anything with, and they're, they're the offense was just confusing. Like half the time defenses were just saying, what the hell? Well, the first time that they played someone all season who had more than a week to prepare and had film on them was the bowl game against Hugh Freeze. Uh, and Liberty absolutely beat them and they beat them in the second half. They adjusted there as well. So, um, I think that, you know, even against Tali, I think I think I like Hugh Freeze in the in the bowl game here with just some time. Again, I think he knows that bowl wins go a long way at Auburn in terms of goodwill. There's certainly been some some frustration this season with transfer portal and uh you you know you know your NIL situation's bad if you're Hugh Freeze complaining about how recruiting is done. Uh and that's what's happened so far. So they gotta work some stuff out over there. But this defense, you know, 33rd in the nation overall. Uh the wide receivers opting out really don't matter because they're hundred eleventh in rush rate over expected. 
expected, uh, you know, rushing 7.0 percentage points more than the average team. They're 36 in EPA per rush, though, so high volume. I think that they'll absolutely be able to out-physical Maryland's defense, keep this game, um, you know, just just entirely in their pace. One thing that, that matches up uh, really, really poorly for Maryland that I think will make the difference, too, you know, especially when you consider an – uh, a backup quarterback in this situation, Maryland 21st in third and fourth down success. That's a big drop off from uh, 53rd on early downs. Auburn's defense is 20th in third and fourth down success allowed. That stuff's not going to fly. I think here, I, I don't think on Maryland's offense is going to be able to do much of anything. Auburn with a good physical rush attack, put a lot of pressure, maybe a couple defensive turnovers, a couple scores on that side of the ball for Auburn. I'm going to take you for easing the Tigers uh, to cover here. Yeah, let's lock that one in. Auburn minus seven. I, I like that one. I like that one for sure. I do want to talk to Kyle about this as well, uh, because my numbers would have had Auburn favored by six based on the last six week stats. And that was before the Maryland quarterback and uh, several other guys opted out. Maryland has they have made a point of treating their last two bowls like a big deal and I do wonder if this one's a bit different, though, right? Auburn, they're going to have a strong contingency in Nashville for this one. Uh, it just, this one just feels different for whatever reason. Uh, Kyle, how are you approaching the handicap in this one? I mean, I think Auburn's offense, uh, the wide receivers that are missing this game probably don't matter too much because they weren't great to start with. And as Parker said, they run a ton. And can Maryland stop the Auburn run game? It would really surprise me if they did. Maryland was 94th in rushing play success rate allowed. Now they're missing a couple key guys. Barham, a really good linebacker for them, uh, going to be out for this one. Auburn was 15th in rushing play success rate on offense. I think Auburn runs the ball really well here. Hits some big plays. Maryland led by Billy Edwards Jr. at quarterback. They were just 84th in offensive line yards. I don't know that they can just line it up and, and shove it down Auburn's throat here in this one. It's a, you know, where is, what's Auburn doing defensively? Uh, defensively, Auburn's front seven is pretty shorthanded. But both teams score a decent amount of points here. I, I could see it. I, I think the over in general would make sense to me. Hugh Freeze has been excellent in bowl games. Um, six and one against the spread. Many of those were not close as far as covering. Loxley two and zero oh against the spread. I will say this. I think um, I'm going to take the Auburn team total over in this one, uh, market-wide 26 and a half. And, you know, take this with a grain of salt and, and definitely be careful with bankroll management because, uh, you know, that's the way you should do it anyways. And I haven't had a great season, but Auburn team total over is one of my favorite plays here that we've had in the bowl season. So if if I were picking my favorite of the show today, Auburn team total over would be it. Uh, I have a bet to make here in just a little bit then. You uh, you have sold me on that one. Um, let's go and lock these two in. Uh, Kyle is going to take the Auburn team total over 26 and a half. Parker going to take Auburn minus seven on this. Uh, yes, there's going to be a lot of Auburn fans in Nashville uh, for the Music City Bowl. I don't know how many Maryland fans show up, especially with their starting quarterback out. Now, I don't think that the backup quarterback for Maryland is is that bad. I do agree with you, Kyle, on you know potentially playing an over here. If this thing gets to 45, I'm certainly going to hit that. But... 46 and a half, kind of no man's land right now. I'll, I'll stay away from that. But locked in right now, Kyle with the Auburn team total over 26 and a half. Parker, Auburn minus seven. Gentlemen, we got one more game. Let's move ahead. Game number seven here. Ooh, Saturday, December 30th, 4 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. This is the Orange Bowl down in South Beach. We could see 
the two teams that were just left out of the college football playoff, the number five Florida State Seminoles and the number six Georgia Bulldogs. And we have a spread of 16 and a half in favor of Georgia here at BetUS. The total at 44 and a half. That's down 11 points from just last week. So is what it is. Uh, Georgia, 12 guys in the portal, uh, maybe more at this point. That was the last I counted right before the Christmas weekend. Uh, the most noteworthy is uh, the linebacker Marvin Jones Jr. He transferred to Florida State. Uh, the wide receiver Makai Muse, he returned kicks. Of course, the backup quarterback Brock Vandegrift, uh, the rest of the backups as well. There's there's around nine guys that could opt out to prep for the draft. Uh, they have not thus far, but we'll see. As for Florida State, I mean, who is playing? Right. Uh, the wide receivers, Wilson and Coleman, are both opting out. The defensive injured verse, the running back, Trey Benson. Uh, of course, Tate Rodemaker, that's the latest news. Uh, he is now in the portal and he has told his coaches uh, because you are out publicly uh, recruiting these other quarterbacks to come in and start. Uh, well, I need to prep for my future, so I'm not going to play either. It's, it's a mess. It's a complete exodus from Tallahassee at this point. Uh, as far as the trends go, Georgia went four and one, Florida State five and zero straight up to end the season. Both teams were only two and three against the spread in their last five games. Uh, Georgia two and one straight up, one and two against the spread in their last three non-CFP bowls. Uh, Florida State is three and one straight up and two and two against the spread in their last four bowls overall. Kyle, let's start with you here. Uh, stats wise, both teams, uh, if they are fully healthy. My stat-based number would actually have Florida State favored a little bit here. Uh, I would have them a little less than three. But, my Lord, when you lose the amount of starting talent that the Knowles have, uh, I'm surprised that we're not quite to 17 yet. Normally, like the Orange Bowl normally would be a home field advantage for Florida State, but I'm not buying into that here. Uh, how do you even begin to handicap a game like this? Yeah, but what could have been here, guys? This could have been amazing. Uh, I don't want to be that guy to just go on and on about that, so I'll just leave it at that. But um, both teams will look absolutely nothing like they did in the regular season. So the stats from the season, they really mean nothing here. Uh, Norvell, I, I read this. I, I haven't fact-checked to make sure this is true, but it looks like Norvell uh, is 0-5 against the spread in bowl games. Uh, if I'm wrong on that, somebody can correct me. But he hasn't done well in bowl games. Kirby Smart, 8-3. and Um this is the ultra motivation handicap. You know, I remember talking about this in the early uh, look at this. Like, uh, you know, if somebody knows psychology and what, what the mindset of these kids is going to be, then you're better than me. Uh, you know, Florida State, let's be honest, Florida State was was wronged based on the process. And I, I understand them being really upset for the spot that they're in. Georgia didn't want to be in this spot. So who's excited to be here? Really, really difficult game to handicap with so many opt-outs, transfer portal guys. Uh, who has the depth? Georgia's depth is amazing. You know, so some of these guys that are second or third stringers at Georgia would be absolute stars other places. The way they've recruited so well, I do trust their backups to step up. Um, I saw in the chat, uh, Pro Junior Harrelson says, take uh, Florida State team total under. That's what I would bet if I were betting this game. Uh, I don't. I don't see what the number is. I'll have to look it up. But it has to be super low, right? Because I think it was so, it was thirteen or thirteen and a half. And so which it's hard it, to it take was below fourteen. So I'm like, eh. Gary, that's well. hard to take. I, I I don't think I can do it. I understand leaning that way. Uh, Georgia minus the points. If I had to bet it on the spread here, just because I can't. 
I can't bet Florida State. This could be one where they get absolutely blown out. It wouldn't be shocking, but hard to make a big bet on this game. I, I agree. It's incredibly hard to bet it either direction here. Uh, Parker, over to you. I mean, the opt-out situation is certainly wild, and it appears Florida State has got some other fish to fry, what with their suing the ACC and all that mess. Uh, not that the players or coaches should really give a rip about all that, but still, numbers-wise, Florida State was heavily relying on the run once Travis went down. Uh, but without Benson, I mean, they could be in some big, big trouble. Uh, over the past six weeks of the season, they were number 120 in PPA per rush, number 132 in offensive line yards, and number 133 in stuff rate allowed. Georgia was not great at stopping the run, but man, I, I would fully expect Georgia to be able to stop Florida State with those uh, advanced stats numbers, uh, at least running the ball. On the other side, Florida State's defense has been elite, right? Number one in success rate allowed uh, in the last six weeks, but no verse, no love it, no Lundy. Uh, I don't know what to think here. What, what do you see uh, that maybe we should watch for here? I have two areas to talk about in this game. One, if I was Mike Norvell, we would line up in the I formation and kneel it and let the play clock run down to zero and run a play uh, and kneel it again and just absolutely tank this broadcast. There's zero reason for Florida State to to get out there and do anything other uh, otherwise. And frankly, I'd encourage more civil disobedience in college football. I think it's a pretty easy way for them to get the ball pay out and uh, and let their guys, you know, because because look, there's there are players on Florida State who will never see the field, who've been there for four years, who deserve the ball experience. I'm not going to say like, they're going to get gift bags. They're going to do, you know, hot wing eating contests before and all that fun stuff. And they, and they deserve that. They deserve to have that fun. And so I, I think they actually do that. And then they should just get out there and run the triple option or something. and just try to tank the TV broadcast. Uh, Cause that's really the only thing that's going to send a message like this. Yeah. There's, there's just not a lot of path for them to, um, to succeed here uh, on, a, on a much less dour note. I, I just want to highlight again, because we get so many questions about the transfer portal. I want to highlight in Florida state bringing in Keon Coleman was such an interesting and good move here. They had Johnny Wilson who last year was on the dudes list. You know, he had 13.6 yards after catch or excuse me, um, average depth of target. He had like six and a half yards after catch it was really, really good, but he only had 19.7% of the target share 2.94 yards per route run. So they passed less. They passed almost exclusively to Coleman, uh, excuse me, to, to Wilson. And, um, and he had the exact same number of targets last year as this year, this year, that was 17.9% of teams targets, but only 2.6 yards per route run for him. Keon Coleman came in 1.82 yards per route run, 21.8% target share. So they were able to bring in Coleman a ton and, and really just split throwing to him and Wilson. And all they did was consolidate a bunch of targets that went to tight ends and running backs and secondary and third receivers and put them into those two options, which absolutely freed up this offense to be very, very good. So uh, again, another another um, transfer portal success, an impact player that just came in. And I, I, I really think it's important as we think about the transfer portal and we think about it from a football sense, from a gambling sense, from a predictive sense, we have to think about fit and scheme and kind of gravity. How is this player going to change the gravity of an offense? Well, Keon Coleman, good on his own, was good at Michigan State last year, but unlocked next level for him and for Wilson and for the Florida State offense by coming into a good fit system where he could free up Wilson 
to play kind of the short intermediate and he could be the deep guy and they have these two legitimate threats. So uh, kind of a mirror image of Missouri, both two tails of very good transfer wide receivers that came in, but certainly examples that coaches and fans should uh, examine and, and think about as you're thinking, you know, who should we go get in the transfer portal? Which guys are going to be uh, impact players in the transfer portal? You have to think about fit. And those are two good examples to, uh, put those together. So, uh, no, no, no play on me here. Like gun to my head. Sure. Pick Georgia. Why not? Because, uh, the, you know, the probably motivation, but I'm, I'm truly rooting for some like terrible football from Florida state, just absolute civil disobedience. And, uh, I have considered just not even turning this on as a small act of protest for myself. You, you might not be the only one. You might not be the only one there. Uh, because with what's left of the roster, you may not see much of a difference between whether it was civil disobedience or not. Uh, it depends on what Georgia ends up wanting to do in this ball game. So uh, just a mess, just a mess. No official plays on this because we don't even know who's playing and why would you? I mean, it's 16 and a half. It's bonkers. Uh, okay. One more time. If you have not already gone and like the video, it's that thumbs up button down there and uh, make sure that you of course, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, all that good stuff. All right, you guys know one of us is holding a golden ticket for an entry to the Tough Truck Contest, so we got to get to it. Let's uh, let's reveal who has got this thing today. Does, is it Parker? Is this thing rigged again? Is that what we've got? It's Kyle on the day that we talk about Ohio State. Of course it is. <laughs> Production going to randomly select a name from the chat uh, that guessed correctly, and then we'll announce the winner after our Best Bets segment. But before we do all that, before we get to best bets, of course, our favorite part of every live show, it is time for Q&A. And we've got a, a few interesting ones in here today. Let me start off with this one. Uh, Crow Jr. Harrelson jumped in. He said, Q&A for Gary. Do you think all these players on Transfer Portal are becoming better Heisman candidates? And that is an interesting thing when you look back over the past few years, uh, looking at who has actually been a finalist, etc. I... Personally, and I want all of y'all's opinions on this, I think that the transfer portal is just another opportunity for kids to get their name out in the cycle, have more people talking about them. How many people would be talking about Cam Ward right now if he was not in the portal, right? Washington State missed a bowl game, et cetera, but there's a chance he could go to Miami or he could go to Ohio State or he can go wherever. And, oh, we made all this money. And there is a chance, if you go to the right place, that you can be properly developed. Uh, we've seen it happen at LSU twice. I want whatever they are feeding these kids between the first transfer year and the second. That's what I would like. So, uh, Kyle, let's start with you. And then, Parker, I want your answer on this. It, are are we going to see – I mean, I, I would imagine we'll see significantly more transfer portal players becoming better Heisman candidates. I don't know that that's the only reason, but I do think it helps get your name in the news more as the season ends going into the next season, right? Yeah, I think so. I agree with what you said there. And I also think that, you know, it's it's a, a spot where these kids can kind of just look and see what might be a good fit for them. You know, they see what just happened last. They see what they did with the quarterbacks. And we think specifically of the quarterbacks because, number one, they usually win the Heisman. Number two, you know, it's the most uh, important position on the field by a lot. So, uh, you know, I think they they can sit back and say, what system is perfect for me? What were the shortcomings of where I was? And yeah, I agree. I think it's a it's a good spot for them to be able to say, you know, here's my name out there. Here's 
you know, you got guys going and saying, I need this amount, I need this amount if I'm going to come here. It's definitely an ever-changing landscape. And, uh, you know, other than that, you know, we'll help them in the Heisman race probably. I don't really bet the Heisman too much, so maybe I should change that based on uh, the way things have gone because uh, I do agree with the uh, with him in, in that I do think it kind of changes the uh, perception. Yeah. Parker, what about you? You is this is this what we're going to see from here on? You think uh, as far as the the Heisman race, which is not our favorite thing, but it is something that uh, that we do keep up with here. Yeah, I mean, it did make a little rant about the transfer portal. That kind of answered that in some ways. You have to think about fit. You have to think about opportunity. And like college football is not as simple as like the best player is going to get on the field. Uh, in a lot of cases, um, I think we'll see more transfer guys kind of started to qualify for the Heisman for two reasons. One, there's just a lot more transfer guys. And so just the pool of potential players is going to be a lot more transfer heavy. Um, additionally, there's there, there's really only positive selection with the transfer portal with these quarterbacks. Like there's a talent evaluation problem. I think most, most, yeah, we'll go with most, not all, most, not all. I think most, <laughs> not all college football teams are really bad at identifying quarterbacks that are good. I think most quarterbacks in college football are found. And what the transfer portal does is gives you two years of a sample on a high school kid to be like, all right, wait, you're actually good. That's great. Let's pull you out of here. Michael Penix, you don't deserve Indiana. Come on, man. Like, let's get out of here. And, uh, and so it really helps with talent eval just because it makes it a little bit easier. Um, and there's much less uncertainty about a guy, uh, you know, after two years of playing as opposed to that. Now, again, we're going to see some of the COVID roster stuff normalize and, and the opt-out stuff and the multi-transfers kind of stabilize. And so you're not going to be like, oh yes, this guy who's 26, who's played college football for three years, He's a good transfer candidate. Let's go get him. There's going to be a little more uncertainty in the in the process as well, but it does it does help a little bit with uh, eval that at these big programs you can say, hey, we don't have to scrutinize and base our future around these quarterbacks because we can go get one if if they're outstanding at a lower level. I you I think you nailed that. I think you absolutely nailed it. Uh, that's the Michael Penix thing cracks me up, right? And it's not just that; it's Bo Nix as well. It's uh, Jaden Daniels, it's whatever it, if a quarterback is not fitting somewhere, uh, there are coaches out there that will shift their offense to move around whatever the quarterback does. Well, uh, that's an old bill Belichick thing, right? Like it, whatever you do best, that's what we're going to do. And then we'll figure out the rest of it. Like, or, or we'll put you in a spot to at least be successful doing that one thing, as opposed to just giving you something to fail over and over and over again. Uh, the, the, the portal stuff is is wild. And this next question actually does kind of dive back into it as well. Uh, DDB jumped in. He said, I really have overplayed uh, all the hype about players opting out and teams aren't motivated. How much do you think, or how much do you really think it matters? So here's, I thought that Utah State was going to just clobber Georgia State. And I was so significantly wrong about that however you go when you look at teams like utah uh and they just get beat outright by northwestern and it's because they got a bunch of different guys out northwestern is actually a lot better than i think some of the numbers would indicate there are certain games where georgia southern went up against ohio and ohio has just a bunch of third stringers playing on offense but that ohio defense was still good right so it's it it varies from game to game if all a team hears is, oh, well, this team doesn't care at all. Uh, th this team that we're playing has got a bunch of guys that opted out, and these scrubs that are coming in, like, we're going to be able to walk all over these guys. 
if you stay out until three o'clock at the bars the night before, yeah, you can still probably get beat by the third string guys. Or the third string guys might have just not gotten a chance to play yet. There's a bunch that goes into this crap. So I, I do think it matters because it, what was known is now unknown as far as some of these teams go. Eh, Kyle, what, what's your what's your thought on this? Uh, how how much does it really matter about motivation and opt-outs and all that kind of stuff? I, mean, I, th- I think it does matter. I mean, motivation definitely matters. The question is, you know, opt-outs versus motivation, opt-outs and motivation combined. The other thing I think is kind of important is throughout the regular season, like it's really important if you're betting these games consistently. Closing line value definitely matters a lot. And you get to, you know, you take something early in the week, it's minus three, it closes minus six and a half or seven. You're feeling pretty good about it. Obviously, it could lose, but those are things that are signs that you're a good better. In bowl season, I'm not really sure how much that is true because the the market isn't really efficient. I mean, I don't know if anybody really knows exactly what's going on in some of these games. So if you're getting closing line value, uh, it may just be kind of lucky. It may just be, you know, kind of random because uh, nobody exactly knows what's happening. We're in an ever-changing landscape. The bowl season now betting far different than it was even six or eight years ago. Um, so, you know, I, maybe that's not directly answering the question, but I think underdogs have done really well so far this year. What are they like? Something like 11 and five against the spread. Yeah. So it's out there. Um, I, and I think that goes to speak of what Gary said uh, more than anything else. These guys do hear like, well, these guys don't care. I mean, who gives a crap about this game? You know, you hear that enough and you actually start caring. Uh, so, and like you said too, about the other game earlier, Gary, like if you have a really talented team and you put in a game and you start getting beat up a little bit, a decent amount of these guys are like, you know what? This sucks. Let's turn it around. Here we go. And we've seen a lot of these in-game turnarounds. So live oh, yeah. betting bowl season has been the way to go. Absolutely. That that Western Kentucky Old Dominion game, I, w- I don't know that I will ever forget that crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, they want that kid to be a tight end and he comes in and throws five touchdowns and just... Uh, Parker, have you got a you got a thought on this? Is is the opt outs and motivation and all that? Is it is it overhyped or you know does it actually matter? I mean, we've heard for years the SEC teams could have won bowl games; they just didn't want to be there. I don't think that's anything new. I think there's certain personnel strategy uh, or like personnel that that matter a little bit more now. And because these guys can opt out, like you can start to be a little bit more explicit about it. Gary, like you said, like the unknown is a little bit more known, but um, I think the motivation angle is kind of hard. I mean, yeah, it might just be the case that like Georgia Southern went and got super drunk the night before. And like, you're just not going to be able to figure out uh, those opportunities uh, in advance. I just saw the Bowling Green scored. Uh, Cheers to that. I need I need one more touchdown and another field goal, and that's it. <laughs> then I'll feel good. I got the team total over. Uh, Crow Jr. Harrelson jumped back in. Q&A for Parker here. What would you consider your best upset bowl game? And we got six more that we're going to talk about tomorrow. You can include that in there if you would like to, Parker. Um, but have you already made a call on an upset, or do you think that there's one that could really surprise some people? I have taken three, four favorites, and Oklahoma is one. I So Oklahoma and Ole Miss are my two underdogs that I've taken so far, so I like both of those. Um, I think, yeah, Oklahoma's defense is really good, and they're getting disrespected a little bit. So we talked about that one, I guess, last Wednesday. Um, so I like, I like that one a lot. If we're looking ahead next week, um, 
yeah, I don't know that I'm I don't know that I'm strong on an underdog here. Um so I think, yeah, I think Ole Miss and Oklahoma would be my be my best bets for for upsets. But in I in both cases, I actually don't really consider those um up uh those those necessarily upsets. I think I think those are both two really good teams. I would roll Memphis, who I've already gave out. And we'll talk about Oh, yeah, we did that. Yeah, we did that today. Memphis uh, is a good one too. Yeah. Oklahoma State I gave out last week and they are now a favorite. They were plus two when I gave them out, and they're that, that thing got steamed, I believe, last night. Uh, NC State is still plus two and a half. I got them at three and a half. I still I think they're going to beat Kansas State. Uh, as far as anything else, Northern Illinois I got as a dog, and people were hammering Arkansas State, uh, but I, I got them outright. That James Madison game and that Utah State game, I just <laughs> I never had a prayer, never a prayer in those. What about you, Kyle? Uh, you got any upset uh, favorites or anything like that that uh, that you're feeling okay about or eh? Probably staying away from most of these dogs right now. And I think taking the money line underdogs in some of these games with so much variance makes some sense because, uh, you know, if Oregon State beat Notre Dame, would it be that shocking? I don't think it would be that shocking not based this, on not the, the spot they're in. It's like, what, plus 200, something like that. So I, I'm not betting Oregon State plus the points, but if you wanted to bet a money, money line underdog, I think that would make sense. I agree with Parker. I, I like the Ole Miss uh, money line too. If you're going to get you know plus 150 or so, I think that's a good one. Um, you know, none of the underdogs you know stand out to me as something I absolutely love here. And we got several more we'll talk about tomorrow. So I don't want to oh, give yeah. away everything in that. But but yeah, I think Ole Miss. And uh, if you want to take a stab on something like Oregon State, would it, I don't think it would shock anybody if USC ended up beating Louisville or if uh, if North Carolina beat West Virginia. You know, stuff like that. Uh, the UNLV number has gotten steamed. Uh, it was 13 this morning. It's down to, what, 10 and a half, I believe now, maybe 10. Uh, it's, I don't expect UNLV to win, but whew, okay. All right, uh, let's see. Let's. Uh, we, we don't get to every question live. So, of course, if you didn't get yours in or if we didn't talk about it, put it in the comments. Uh, make sure, you know, we'll jump in there and we'll respond to as many as we possibly can. Or, I mean, you can always join us tomorrow uh, and toss it in the chat again because we're going to do it again tomorrow. All right, let's let's uh, let's get to our best bets from today's show, a, uh, a recap here. And we'll start off with Parker. Uh, Parker, uh, tell us who you're riding with today. Yeah, I'm going to take Memphis, Iowa State over 57 and a half. I'll take Ole Miss plus four and Auburn minus seven. I have got three today. I will take Clemson minus five. Uh, I like the Memphis Tigers plus nine and a half against Iowa State. And I will take Ohio State minus one against Missouri in the Cotton Bowl there. Kyle, uh, what have you got for us today? Take Memphis and Iowa State over 57 and a half. And then the Auburn team total over 26 and a half. All right. Uh, Now the best bets are out of the way. Of course, remember your 30 risk-free bets for 30 years of BetUS and... Of course, make sure and claim your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS. Uh, make sure to keep an eye on the latest odds. Of course, BetUSTV.com slash odds. And join the action at BetUSTV.com slash join. Uh, of course, BetUS is giving away a tough truck. You guys saw us uh, reveal who had the golden ticket. Let's see the winner of today's free entry, and that is Crow Jr. Harrelson. You are today's winner. Congratulations. Uh, contact us on Twitter or X or whatever you would like to call it. Uh, send a DM to at BetUSTV to claim your entry. If you didn't guess correctly, or if you did and we didn't pick your name out of the hat, uh, you can still win the truck. Uh, we're giving away one entry on every college football show. Uh, 
from here until, you know, after the national title or whatever. So uh, we're doing the same thing on the NFL show as well. Tune in over there too. Uh, for more details, head over to betustv.com slash tough truck. That is going to do it for today's show. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. Same time to go over the last six bowl games, including the playoff semifinals. We're going to deep dive those jokers. So set your reminders that way you can join us live and get you one more chance at winning that bet us tough truck this week. Uh, thank you to everybody for tuning in. You guys know what's going on. We, uh, we appreciate you leaving comments, et cetera, like the video, all that kind of stuff. You can follow the fellas on X. Parker is at stats of war. Kyle is at Kyle Hunter picks, and you can follow me as well at winning cures. With that said for bet us where the game begins, God bless college football. And we will see you all again tomorrow.